Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You're listening to the world's smartest podcast network. When I go to Sacramento, I will pump up Sacramento. Sacramento. Some say the news is fake. Others say it's real. These two don't have the time to check. Instead, Turner Sparks and Michael Ira Kaplan turn to comics stationed around the globe to be their eyewitness reporters so that you can know what's really going on. This is Lost in America. All right, everybody, welcome to Lost in America Roundtable. This is, I we haven't decided, oh, I'm Turner Sparks. I'm Mike uh, Kaplan. With me is Mike Kaplan. You can find me at Turner Sparks on Instagram, just like it sounds, spelled just like it sounds. I put up new videos every single week. I'm also going to be on tour. Uh, Heaton and I, Andrew Heaton, who you're about to hear, November 5th, will be at Hyenas Comedy Club in Fort Worth, Texas. So come on out to that. We're bringing all the Heaton heads. All the American losers. Lost in Americans. Yeah. Yeah. The Lost Every, in American. Everybody's coming lost. out. Kaplan. You can find Kaplan at um Kaplan Cap America, America with a K on all social media platforms. And Kaplan, is the dogs thing still happening or is that the dogs thing is over? We had an amazing event. Uh, there were so many people. I'm sure there were lost in American fans. I they didn't come say hi to me though, but we had a great event. So you can follow me at Kaplan NYC and you can follow the podcast at Lost in America Pod. For well, Cap Kaplan NYC is your is your is business. my real estate. It's my that's my business. I, I try to keep Keep things separate. I merge them, and on some occasions, but Captain America is your comedy account. Captain America is the comic because uh, yeah, that's it's like a different image. I'm all over America. I'm over you know global global <laughs> icon. Captain <laughs> NYC is we're focusing just where I'm licensed in New York City real and, estate. And the thing is, I understand these fans of yours that see you at the um, dog adoption event. But they don't want to, you know, they're starstruck. I mean, it's not every day you see Kaplan in the wild. It was people don't even know what to talk to me about now. There's too many things going on. They're like yeah. talking to me about Bob. They're talking to me about the podcast, talking to me about real estate, talking about our TV show. There's just so much going on. So and <laughs> I'm glad you brought the TV show because speaking of that, we're giving everyone. This is the time to get involved in our Patreon channel, yes. uh, patreon.com slash lost in America for five dollars a month. You get extra episodes of Kaplan and I live from the bunker. For $10, you get a number one in Armenia t-shirt. For $20, you get your own ad once a month on this channel. I'm sure you've all heard the great Dennis Owens. He does many of an, many an ad. And uh, you'll get your own on air once a month. But right now is the time to get in because this TV show that we've been talking about for a while now, we recorded, we adapted this podcast into a television show. We've recorded a, an episode of it, a pilot episode until Salvador a few months ago. We are now in the final stages 
of editing this thing down, these 12, 13 hours of footage we had down into a 30, 45 minute episode. And we just got notified this morning that producer Eric and Brady over there at Kings County Productions shout out have gotten it down to an hour. They want to send it to us. I think we're pretty close to have something to start sending out. They said it was really good subscribers. So if you are a Patreon, if you get in the Patreon now, we're going to start sending you bonus footage. We're going to start sending maybe raw cuts. Should we do that? Yeah. Stuff or stuff that we know maybe is not making it or extended cuts. Yeah. We'll find some stuff that as you can see what we see kind of as we're doing this thing. So we're going to, I'm in El Salvador. I mean, sorry, I'm in Colombia (laughs) as we speak. So I, I won't be able to get to that this week, but as of next week, I'm going to start posting these things in there. I mean, they said this is really good. Our directors told us they said it's it looks great. I got so excited. I already put a bid in on a Tesla. You oh, know, good. I, I'm spending the money. The network's money. I'm spending it. <laughs> well, my you know, my neighbor next door over there in Clinton Hill, Brooklyn, high above Clinton Hill, where we live. Yeah. She's we're on the ninth floor of our building. So we're looking down on the peons. Yeah. And she's moving out. And Ye and I are saying, you know, we, we're this show looks really good. We're, yeah. I'm sure we're going to sell it to Netflix and one of these people. <laughs> and uh, why should we just buy her condo now, knock the wall out and double our size, plus two kitchens? We always like the idea of two kitchens. That's very, very in New York. You can't have that in one apartment. So you got to, you know, come to me for advice on that. Exactly. <laughs> two kitchens. They'll do it legally. So kosher. Uh, and my wife's a cook. The two type of people who would want two kitchens, you know, if you're a um, uh, kosher. Jewish Kosher people, juice, right? Yeah, dairy and meat. You can have a dairy and a meat kitchen. That's you need two different kitchens. Or if you're my wife, if you're a cooking instructor and you say, I want, and you're an influencer, you say, I yep. want one influencer kitchen. It's like a set. It's set up as a set. And then you want one home kitchen for one home I'm kitchen grilled cheese. Actually, when yeah, I went get, on wine with some mac and cheese or whatever. Yeah, you know, get down there <laughs> with some spaghetti. <laughs> yeah. Well, that. And so listen to the Patreon show because also I'm drinking, by the way. I just, uh, this is Christian's dad who we interview on the show. This We went to his, like, what do you call it? Christian like Magoo, big- he's a comedian down in Colombia. I mean, down well, in El Salvador. What do you call when someone makes like alcohol? Like a, you don't call it a, a winery. You make it like a, I don't know. He, uh, he, he's a brewmaster. Is that he's what a brewmaster of some local tequila. It's not even tequila. It's something else. But I'm going to do a full review on the Patreon show because this it, stuff is fantastic. He makes it's his true. own coffee and he yeah. called it tequila. But you're saying it's not tequila. It's like agave base, but it's not tequila. It's something okay. more authentic. So and he's gonna- a former um, gorilla. Carabia. Carab- <laughs> Collaborator, collabor. How do you say the word? Collaborator, collaborator. collaborator. <laughs> he collaborated. Like he DM'd yeah. for collab with the communist gorillas down there. Yes, he was. A, he was not a gorilla. Christian told us, but he collaborated with him. We oh, asked yeah. Christian. This is behind the scenes. We asked Christian. We interviewed your father. We went to his restaurant, and can we say he was a former communist gorilla? And he said, "Well." <laughs> the actual gorillas would get like upset a, because right. they say, well, he wasn't really one of us. He collaborated. It's like when you have the mob, he wasn't a made man, but he was like the Jewish guy who like helped out run numbers and stuff. But like, yeah, he, the be made. he was Italian. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's the Gentile. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Yeah. A hurt or what's the guys in Sopranos? Anyway. Yeah. So that, he's a great character. You're going to see more about him. You're going to see uh, all these people on this show. So we're going to start pitching the show very soon, but we're going to be sending everything to you. Kaplan. Uh, that's enough of that. Patreon.com slash lost in America. Get in now, even for $5 a month. We'll send, we're going to send everybody this footage. So, uh, there and we're gonna have watch parties once the show comes out. Once the show mm-hmm. not comes out, once the show's ready to go, we have the final product. We're gonna figure out an online platform, invite only, and we'll do a live be, watch party for all. Yeah, of our we gotta keep it very top secret because we don't want these our fan. We don't want people videotaping the screen. Uh, yeah, it. we can't have people selling this on their own, <laughs> and all since their yeah. show. 
it would be ironic if it ends up in all like, of a sudden China. Sugar Brady has a TV show on Netflix. <laughs> Sugar Brady. <laughs> Because <laughs> he stole our idea. Because he's you know what he's giving us a lot of money. He might have earned it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he might deserve it. Shout out to Sugar Brady. Also, we should say right here that Dennis Owens is. I think he's at almost forty dollars. Is he at forty dollars a month? He sends us. He's yeah, challenged he, anyone to beat him to beat his forty. He said, and he come right after Gary Sparks. Sparks my yeah, father. what do you say? Yeah, so he wants anyone to beat his 40. Kaplan, that's enough of this. On this, oh, we're getting we have the world's smartest brains coming from the world's smartest podcast network. That's Dr. Andrew Jones Roy. That's Andrew Heaton. Uh, you will hear their voices in just a minute. And um, I guess we don't need to tease much more because we're about to get into it. These are a couple of news stories from last week, but yeah. we recorded this late last week. So if there's any been any news since then that's <laughs> broke. It's not right. our fault. We recorded late. This is week. this is like the traveling Wilburys of, of podcasters. We got all the superstars together for one. Yes, great we've said that. This is a super group. So right super here, group. this is our show. This is. But, you know, you I, I we were just saying off air that out of this group, I think you are definitely the George Harrison of the group. Right. Yeah. I would call Heaton is the I would say I'm the um, who's the Eric Clapton is going to steal my way. No. <laughs> well, I'm the I'm the I'm the young. I'm the young uh, uh, well, that the Eric Clapton, I guess, would be because um, he's not in the Trevor Wilbur. So that would Wilbur, yeah. clearly be Ollie Horn. He's British. Ollie Horn, yes. You know, he's going to come he's in charming. and steal your wife. <laughs> and, and I would do want to be just like there's that clip in uh, Get Back. We hear George Harrison talking about how jealous he is of the way Eric Clapton could play guitar. Yes. I am very jealous of the way Ali Horn can blow hard. I will yeah, admit to he's that. A great he's a master. Yes, I wish. Moving that's on, my... I would call myself the Tom Petty. I'm the young upstart of this group. Yes. <laughs> you're, right? you're all American. Yeah. He was the young guy in the group yeah, back then. That's crazy. And then I would go Heaton unquestionably is the Bob Dylan. He's the Dylan. Yep. Yep. He's got and the, then who the was jackets. the fourth? Who was the fourth? Who is the fourth? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. know. That's Andrea, apparently. That's <laughs> give me a second. I'm gonna Google the traveling Wilbur. Yeah, traveling. I like making a reference without knowing all the facts. That's the key. Uh, oh, Roy Orbison. <laughs> Definitely, Doctor Andrew. <laughs> Doctor yeah. Andrea is the Roy Orbison of the group. She's pretty woman walking down the street. Oh, and then Jeff Lynn. I don't even know who that he is. He joined later. Yeah, that weren't quite as much a super oh, okay. Group. But I think that's the crew. So that's where the where the traveling brains. And uh, now you get a taste of all of us. It's a super group comedy show. Here we go. Let's play it. We have reconvened once again, the world's smartest podcasting network to discuss the most important issues of the day. We are joined by Dr. Andrea Jones Roy. Hello. Hello. Greetings. Happy to be here to weigh in on the pressing issues. Uh huh. And Michael <laughs> Ira Kaplan. Hello, Michael. Shalom. Good to be back with the brains. Shalom. And uh, fresh off the charts as number one on comedy on iTunes, it is Turner Sparks. Hello, Turner. Hello. How are we doing, brains? It's always good to be here. <laughs> good. Uh, hey, congrats on your album, Turner. Thank you very much. Thanks to all of you. Thanks to everyone listening <laughs> to this. Everyone from the World's Smartest Podcast Network, from Heaton's uh, Political Orphanage crowd, the Heaton Heads, to the Roy Boys. Everybody pitched in. <laughs> the Everybody lost Americans. It. The lost in Americans, the losers in America. <laughs> Everybody pitched in. Everybody bought it. And we, we debuted at number one in America on the iTunes charts. And a ton of people are buying the signed CDs. So oh, oh, we still only got a few of those left. 
Thank you, everybody. Genuinely, right. it's pretty cool. I like so you say you we. Out. We debuted. We were all part of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's the royal we. You can't. Yes. It's it's so. Uh, what's the, it feels so odd to be like me, 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 me. So <laughs> even though it is a whole me, 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 it me, is a <laughs> solo album. <laughs> yeah, it's an it, me endeavor. You just have to say we to feel less like a total prick. Yeah, so I, I like it. And Turner, uh, it is a decent intro to what we're going to be talking about today because you are now a top billing comedian. You are already a very, very funny comedian, right. but you now have the the premature of iTunes and Apple confirming that you are indeed funniest comedian. Uh, and uh, you sent out a story to us about a another comedian that <coughs> is very angry right now at how poorly his film is doing. So can you explain that situation to us? Yes. I still haven't found this damn quote from this guy. Just give me a second. The quote, the Billy Eichner quote about. Yeah, I think we do need the quote. Calling us homophobic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So here's the quote. As you said, his movie did not do well at the box office when it opened. The movie's called Bros. The movie is about he is a gay American man, and it's about him and another gay man. I think it's their rom-com. It's their love story, right? The first gay rom-com. The first gay rom-com, if you don't consider Brokeback Mountain a rom-com. <laughs> that, was, that was hilarious. Yeah. Documentary. <laughs> Here's his quote. He went on Twitter and he said, even with glowing reviews, great Rotten Tomato scores, an A cinema score, etc., straight people, especially in certain parts of the country, just didn't show up for bros. And that's what's disappointing, but it is what it is. Mm. And then at the end of his tweet, he encouraged everyone who isn't a homophobic weirdo to watch bros in the movie theaters. That's, so that's a great way to get quotes. Is that how you that, did it? Is that how you got your album? Number one, you went out and yelled at everyone. I said, anyone who doesn't like straight rot, white men, what white straight men isn't the problem is they're not seeing my movie. These non straight. I mean, my whatever. You get it. <laughs> I, I think according to the Billy Eichner model, I am then exempt. If he's saying everybody who isn't a homophobic weirdo, I'm not a homophobe, but I am a weirdo. So yes. I think that means that I'm, I'm not required to go to <laughs> right. the film. You have to well, be homophobic, a homophobic a weirdo. weirdo. So mm. let's get into the issue. I think the issue mm. is that he's kind of holding a gun to everyone's head, saying, if you don't see this, you are a homophobic weirdo. Now, what I sent through to all of you was this discussion that went all over the place on Twitter. But a big part of it was people pointing out that, hey, if only if you, the, the movie made four point seven million dollars, I think the entire opening weekend, which right. Kaplan, you're a Hollywood guy. Well, it depends on bad? how many screens, but they had it on a lot of screens, I believe. So that's the problem, because if it's, you know, it's a, you know, you can only get so much if it's on not many screens then you make a few million. That's a so, so if it were you put it all over the country. And you make four point eight. That's no good. That's so Kaplan, no good. If it were like if it were like two theaters in Guthrie and it made four point seven. I don't even know how it would be an that. incredible. <laughs> that would be a miracle. Like the margin. theater owners are charging more than you're supposed to charge for the movie. It's so yeah. good. Or, or like if four four people watched it in Billy Eichner's basement and he right. charged them a million dollars each. Still he, really good. He should have done that with all of his rich friends. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's actually would have been much better and donated all the money to him or something. So, Cap, <laughs> what would good numbers have been given the I'll, I'll, you know, sort of back at the. I mean, I'm going to just like, make something up here because sure. you know my name's Kaplan. I'm a, I'm a Hollywood agent. Everyone yeah. knows that. I'm, I'm a. Whoa, whoa, you speculator. wait, wait, don't, don't. Now you're now you're calling Andrea. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, um, uh, what's no, the, I'm, it's I worked the in the movie industry a long time. Yeah, so good numbers. 
I mean, I didn't look up the box office that week, so I don't know what the number one movie in America was last week. I think it was Smile, uh, wasn't it? Um, but, movie? you know, $20 million in a week. That would be nice. $15 million Well, we're talking a, about a weekend, Cap. A weekend. A week. Yeah, no. We, well, I was saying a week, but it covers the Thursday through Sunday, basically. So Got that's it. the weekend. Well, I think so. the, the, the main thing is that it, it hasn't done well. Yeah. Right. Um, has not the, done well. He blamed first, yeah, the, all the, of the... the uh, but basically saying America is a homophobic country. Mm-hmm. And so that's and especially he points out certain parts of the country. So I think he's talking about the South, the Midwest, not the coastal. I elite. Presumably be any, any, any states that I have relatives in, I think are the I ones thought he's he talking was saying about. the other thing around. I thought he was saying like it didn't do well, even in blue. Like he's disappointed in because he knows the rednecks aren't going to see the movie. I think he's disappointed that like liberals didn't see the movie. Well, I think either. one of the Nobody key things the <laughs> is he probably doesn't have any data on who saw this movie, but we can <laughs> get to that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, the but the I, I don't know if I were in his position and I were trying to save fa- uh, save face on a film that effectively failed and I didn't mind throwing people under the bus. This is a way to deflect uh, attention. So it kind of boils down to it, are there reasons that this film didn't do well or is he right and everybody's homophobic? Uh, if if he's homophobic, then this is a litmus test for the or excuse me, if everybody's homophobic, this is a litmus test that America failed because it it could not be sufficiently motivated to see a rom-com starring two men. Um, otherwise, it's possible that he screwed up and he's now claiming everybody's homophobic to save face. And I, I am leaning well, that direction based on everything I've read. Before we get too far into everybody's thoughts, the second half of this story is that somebody did the quick numbers and they said, I think a number of people did the quick numbers and they said, well, if you had only made four, four million dollars at the box office over an entire weekend, then gay people also didn't go see your movie. So <laughs> it's not only that straight people didn't see your movie, it's that nobody went to see your movie. And then what happened was certain elements of the gay community got mad at him for kind of taking the movement and saying and, and using it to his advantage, I think, is the idea. Getting um, mad at Billy. Getting mad at Billy. Billy. I keep wanting to say Eilish. I, it's hard to tell the yeah. difference. Billy. <laughs> They're Eilish. almost the same person. Billy Eilish. I, I, would, if she had a movie this weekend, it would have done better. I'll say yeah. that. Really. <laughs> can open All right. She's got so, she can put butts in the seats. Andrea Jones. Right. I'll play point guard here. What do you think? Here we go. All right. So I think the other. Well, the final piece on that is that people were saying that it was because he was a white cis gay man mm, yeah, yeah, that made that. the queer community say, well, we don't want to see this. You already have the privilege and everything. You don't <laughs> right. need our support. Yeah. And so wait, there's wait, sort wait, of so he privilege. Was, he was gay men. He's too gay for middle America. That's right. But he's not gay enough for everybody else. That's right. That okay, is the that's... plight of the gay white man in America mm-hmm. is okay. uh, everyone hates you. <laughs> so and he's a Jew, on. which doesn't help at all. That's like, right. It doesn't even count. Right. I actually heard some. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, well, my. OK, so my. The thing I like most about this whole thing is that it is a wonderful example of causal inference. And if I wouldn't mm. run the risk of causing mutiny in my classroom, I would have brought it up as an example of data science. Right. Which is Billy Eichner is claiming that if only it had been he were straight and or playing a straight character opposite a woman that the box office numbers and everything else had been the same. The box office numbers would have been huge. And he's saying because I'm a man and he's a man and it's a man the box office numbers are terrible. And I think as Heaton was saying. That's that's a smart claim, but it's very, very unlikely. And as many other people on Twitter have said, you know, people don't go to the movie theaters for rom-coms in general. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the last time I went for a rom-com. I don't think the movie was particularly well uh, 
advertised. I've been thinking about that every time I see a promo for Super Mario Brothers, where it's all the time and the movie isn't coming out till January. If anything, I give Billy Eichner credit for for a brilliant marketing stunt to draw attention to his movie, because we're all sitting here talking about a movie that we otherwise probably wouldn't have talked about and maybe would have done okay, and no one would have been mad at him for, but wouldn't be a subject of a national conversation. You, you know, that's that said, brilliant marketing ploy though it is, I still don't go plan to see it. And the reason right. that I don't plan to go see this film is not because Billy Eichner's gay. I did not actually know that. It's because my only exposure to Billy Eichner is from Parks and Rec, where I found him irritating as hell. Right. Because his whole shtick over and over again was just one note jokes of getting really animated and then screaming. And yeah. like, there's only so like just there are certain performers, Gilbert Gottfried or uh, uh, Nick Kroll, that have like either you find that very funny or you find it very grating. In Billy Eichner's case, I find it very grating. And so if somebody told me he's doing a rom com, Gilbert Gottfried in a rom right. gay rom com would be I, exactly. <laughs> I'm just thinking about see, Yes, I would go see Gilbert Gottfried in the box office. Yeah, no, I would I think, go see. Yeah, I, I think you're right, and I think that this is while maybe sort of a silly example or a more superficial example, it gets at the heart of I think what we talked about in our last roundtable on wokeism and is wokeism a religion, and I think it's at the the tension of identity politics, which is it kind of plays into the hands of everyone on the I'm going to oversimplify everyone on the right who says that like identity politics means you're putting your identity first and you see everything through that lens and everything is an injustice. And Billy Eichner is the example they now have of like, oh, did your movie not do well? Oh, you're going to blame homophobia instead of the fact that you're annoying because I agree. I can't watch him. Right. Or you, no one wants to see a rom-com. You didn't market it. All these other, other movies came out at that time. No one goes to theater, whatever the, t the story is. I don't know about that last one. And then on the left, everyone is also playing a caricature of themselves and saying, well, it actually just wasn't woke enough for me. And uh, and then there was the other piece of the story, uh, uh, Turner, that you sent around that someone was saying, look, we should celebrate the fact that he had an all queer supporting cast and he didn't have any uh, you know, big names for box office draws, which is apparently cat. Uh, maybe, you know, this uh, as the Hollywood guy, what Judd Apatow does with uh, Amy Schumer and others who were not leading people or well-known people, but they yeah. surrounded them with famous. It's called trying to make money in the movie industry. Called yeah. Trying to make money. <laughs> so and Billy Eichner, maybe Hollywood to his, his credit yeah. for the LGBTQ community said, no, 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 I want all queer yeah. representation, which is maybe great. But you also have to accept the fact that that means that no one's going to come see this because there's no one famous walking into the thing. So there's just a hundred reasons why it's probably not that. And I think it's damaging to the whole left-right debate about identity politics. If, if I'm Let's understanding you correctly, you're you're making the the uh, crazy claim that not having box office draws yes. would result in drawing yes. less people to the box yeah. office. That is the logic you're following that's, that that's, just sailed over well, the actor model. That's the thing. He's Kaplan, doing go ahead. Kaplan, well, what do you A think? couple of things. One, yeah, to piggyback on that, you can't have it both ways. You can't do an, a movie that's already a niche audience, right? You know, like 5% to 10% of the population is, gay. I don't know the exact numbers of people who are gay men in America, but yeah. it's not mainstream, It's like 50%. Right? 50% according to people's Twitter bios. But in China, there's zero. they have 0% yeah, exactly. gay, actually. So you're doing a niche Same movie to begin with, know? and then you're not casting big... There's a reason we Hollywood, for a zillion years, cast big stars. Who, some of them aren't even good actors, but they're good-looking people to leading people. Because it works. That's what puts people in the seats. So that's one. And then on the marketing side, I mean, this is the problem right here. Like, in New York City, you drive on the Long Island Expressway out to, like, Levittown and all these places, you know, like, these areas that are, like, pretty, you know, it's not super liberal areas. And I see these billboards for this movie bros. That's why I knew it was coming out. And there's two guys and the guy's got his like hand on the other guy's ass. 
And this is the marketing campaign. Meanwhile, I told my wife, who has more gay guy friends than girlfriends, about Billy Eichner's comments when we were going to do a show about it. And she goes, what, what are you talking about? She had never heard of the movie, which means they're not, they haven't advertised on Bravo yet. <laughs> like, I don't, like they haven't advertised it anywhere where she would see it. She would have maybe, she might have, dra- like, the, other, the thing is, it's like, you know, straight guys, you said rom-coms don't do well. Straight guys in general don't really want to see most of them. Like I'm right. a sensitive guy. Turn no, we, we guy. go because the date is making us go with yeah, them. Dates That's why make we're going us go to usually like not. Yeah, I'm not speaking for myself here, but you're generic meat and potatoes guy. So they already don't want to see. But there's usually like a woman, at least they might like to look at. Now you're going to drag them to the theaters to, to obviously it's not going to be a huge hit. Like you can't have it both ways. Like you can't everybody like diversity is great. And everyone we, sh- we need more diverse parts. But you don't get you're not entitled to a number one movie in America. That's my right. you know, it's like not like a, it's not given to you. <laughs> I think I'm going to I'm going to go here. Um, first of all, I think that gay white men are not diverse anymore. Right. Well, that's the, I uh, think that he kind of missed his window. Yeah. Uh, in the, the 2000s, windows, right? Yeah. <laughs> Early yeah 2000s. Black Mountain came out whenever that was. Sex in the City was huge that era. Yeah. Well, and maybe Cap can speak on this best because isn't that also there's a similar thing going on with with Jews in America. Where mm. now Jews are just considered white people by certain by the left. Well, yeah, but and by the right, they're still by the far right slash racist. They're still considered Jews. Well, and you, right. well, it's, well, and on that point, like I was thinking about this when we were doing this topic, like culturally, Jews have had their moments. Like, obviously, for most of American history, even though Jews kind of ran Hollywood, we didn't have any Jewish storylines. Like there was no nobody was obviously Jewish. And then you get into the mm. 70s and like Woody Allen. Rest in peace. Annie Hall was the number one one movie in America. You could have a more Jewy character rom-com when Harry Matsai wasn't as Jewish, but that was a huge hit. And then obviously you get into the whole Seinfeld era and there was like Jewish. But nowadays I feel like we're moving away from that. Yeah. Like Judaism is less, you know, it's not as cultural. I don't think we're moving away from it. I think that Jews are considered white people. Now. Exactly. My point. Yeah. They're just yeah. considered white people and they're not. But yeah, we sort of we sort of we're like the white gays, I guess. We're, we're, we have it. We get hated by both sides. So if you're <laughs> saying, well, we made a, a culturally Jewish movie and nobody went to see it. I think that a good half of America would say you just made a white people movie. Mm. Yeah. Right? I mean, have and, you guys gone to see watch the Ken Burns Holocaust doc yet? That we that's our latest one that just dropped. Oh, is right. it a rom-com? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Anyway, my point is that I think Billy Eichner sort of missed his window and I don't have a I don't have a dog in the fight of who's the most uh, who's the wokest of all of the different types of minorities. But I'm pretty sure that white gay guys are yeah. the least. Um, especially like a long time ago. Let's take some credit. Take a bow. <laughs> yeah. And, and also it's, it's sort of this, I, as you said, uh, Andrea, that there's a, I think an LA times piece about this that has been going around where the guy says on one hand, this should be a good thing as he's a, the gay, the writer's gay. And he says, as a gay man, we shouldn't, we should be able, we should be past the point where we have to see, we have to go see stuff to support it. We should just see what we want to see. And, Unfortunately, I think that Judd Apatow, who who directed and I think produced the movie and Billy Eichner didn't make it attractive enough, seemingly for gay people to go see it. Heaton, what do you got? Uh, a few things. So first on on the note of like, who's the most diverse? Um, I, I think this does harken back to the woke as religion conversation that we had when the last time we convened um, the this kind of uh, woke uh, worldview 
is one that involves chopping off the top of the totem pole. It, for whoever's the top of the totem pole must be knocked down. There's no, no stasis point where that stops. Uh, and we kind of see the same thing on the flip side of who is the most victimized. Um, and I think like we're also living in a really interesting period right now that I think is fairly unique to our moment in history of entrepreneurial victimhood, where you can obtain um, uh, either moral credit or uh, potentially financial credit uh, by being a victim, uh, because so much of of uh, so so many people in the country see victimhood as sort of the the font of uh, emotional validity and and ethical um, ethical salience. Um, so I think I think that's all happening. On the note of who's the most diverse, um, I, I went to a comedy festival about five years ago, and one of the comedians who was visiting from LA came up and she was describing a conversation she had with her gay white friend. And uh, she had told him that Hollywood had been run by white men for so long that that we needed to stand down and let other people have their moment. And he went, well, I'm gay. Uh, I'm I'm not part of that, that white male cabal. And she said, no, it's not different enough. You 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 had your moment. You need to stand down and get out of the spotlight. And I thought that was such a awful, awful mindset of of thinking of attention and creativity and entertainment as some sort of limited bandwidth that has mm-hmm. to be accorded to people. Um, I, like I have all, all of us host shows. None of our shows detract from one another. Uh, we, we, we're at a period now where everybody can go out and do their own thing. It's never been easier to make a film than it is right now. It's never been easier to get on Netflix in front of a ton of people. You can start a podcast with your phone. Like it, it's the, the barriers the, to entry aren't there. They used to be exactly. And, and I, I, rather than trying to figure out who's the most victimized and how do we make other people that even though they don't really share in the sins of whatever happened, how do we victimize them to compensate a way better way of approaching all of this would just be to expand the field and figure out, uh, how can we, how can we have, how we grow that spotlight? How can we have more people in it? Um, and, uh, Final bit um, that uh, I'll, I'll say on this. I, I very much agree with everybody. I don't think that Billy Eichner um, didn't get a big draw because America's homophobic. I think that they just screwed up on the film, and and that's the why. Uh, but but I'll I'll add to that um, something that I've noticed in entertainment the last year or two is that sometimes people will make things that we ought to go see, mm. and they'll be surprised mm. when people don't want to go see it. And I here at the Fringe Festival, I would see this occasionally in Edinburgh, where uh, there'd be a bunch of really 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 funny shows. And then someone would do a show that is about uh, uh, the refugee crisis or uh, uh, climate change or or coming to terms with their sexuality. And you could tell by the poster this was a very serious, important thing. And it might well be a very laudable thing to go see, but it didn't look fun. And so I wouldn't go see it because yes. I was at the fucking Edinburgh French Festival. You're a getting... homophobic weirdo. <laughs> yeah. Because I know I'm getting drunk with a bunch of comedian friends. Like, like if I went to the circus and they were like, by the way, you can either see the trapeze act uh, or there is an installation on the Holocaust. I would go. I am <laughs> aware the Holocaust circus. is really important. <laughs> Holocaust circus. I mean, I would. I didn't even think of that. Thank God who was claiming. If, if it were, I wouldn't go see a Holocaust circus run by Nazis. I would go see a Holocaust service run by Jews, depending on what they were going to do with it. But uh, if, if it were, if it were, you know, very important and everything, I, I acknowledge that, but, but I don't always want to go see the important things. Sometimes I just want right. to go have fun. And I right, it's say entertainment. Like, it's supposed to yes. be entertainment. That's what the point everyone seems to be missing. Comedies right. and rom-coms very much fall into that category well, of like, look, dude, we're here to laugh. We're not, we're not here to be elevated as a people. And very good examples, Heaton, of things that did it successfully very recently. Crazy Rich Asians, 
Yeah. Super success. Made yes. bazillions of dollars and is one of those that, hey, we should go see it because it's the first they did the big thing where this is the first all Asian cast since like a movie in the 90s, <clears throat> the Joy Luck Club. But it was also fun. It was it was a bunch of Asian stars. They basically got any Asian star ever to be <laughs> all be in this movie. To show up our yeah. podcast. And they is all George did Takei it. In it? <laughs> oh, he's not. He should have been because he's I'm gay. They didn't want him. That's true. Michelle Yeo was in it. Uh, Ronnie Chang was it. everybody. And it was fun and it was big and it didn't take itself too seriously. And it killed it at the box office. A Black Panther killed it at the box office. It's a superhero movie, right? Uh, And then all of the the Medea movies, all the Tyler Perry movies do great. And those are ones that they're all ones that you are supposed to see, but also they're fun. And this might be fun. I mean, it it might uh, this uh, bros. It could be a fun movie. Yeah, my wife wanted to go see 12 it. Twelve Years a Slave was a lot we were, of fun, and that's we're going to go see it. Well, for you, maybe not for me. <laughs> um, no, I get I, your point. And just to, but honestly, what you're saying makes me think like on the flip side, if you want to be if you want your group to still be considered like lower on the scale of like, uh, a, you know, uh, most discriminated against yeah. the fact that you don't do well is a good thing then. Like, <laughs> good point. like if everybody went to see it, if like gay rom-coms were all the rage. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, well I think Billy Eichner would <laughs> rather have more money. Than have... canceled. <laughs> all right. I'm going to uh, be the, the left whisperer, but as the token lefty on this uh, round table to translate some of these things. So, yes. uh, so I think Keaton, your point around, and I agree <laughs> with you, time. but I'm going to, I'm going to say what everyone to the left of me is yelling in my brain right now. So I agree okay. with you that the barriers to entry are smaller for anyone, right? You can do a podcast with almost no resources. I think what people are saying about the, you know, it's time for you to step back, to stop taking up space, is to say that once you have the entry, who who is in your network and who you have access to, that that hasn't changed, right? And so it's like, I can start a podcast, but if I'm a Black, queer, disabled person who doesn't have connections like Kaplan does to, to Hollywood, oh, then yeah. it doesn't you matter. How well that's, <laughs> wait, you can see how well my Hollywood connections yeah. have done. <laughs> we're sitting here on our high horses. With uh, our, we're with going our very happy uh, Yom Kippur, Kaplan. Yeah, Gamar. Uh, Tov, uh, did I say Martov, that right? Yes, there there's go. a good that that's a great gent, righteous gentile. You don't say happy Yom Kippur. I said it, I said it to his a, friends, have a Jewish friend of mine, and he did not respond. So I was like, I said that wrong, uh, yeah. or I'm not entitled to say. No, it. I think so you're I just think out more Jewish than your friend. You just proved him. Good work. Anyway, thank go you. On. Yeah, I, yeah, I think the argument though is that it's it's. I agree with you that we should be thinking of it as non-zero sum, and in principle, it is. But I think if you think of the attention people could pay to things that that is zero sum and that we're still getting a lot more, you know, there's a lot of word, uh, a talk of like heavy air quotes, amplifying voices that are marginalized. And so I think the argument again is the counterfactual that if these people, these indigenous, gay, whoever, whoever people were better connected, they would all rocket to the top. But since they aren't better connected because of all the biases, we, the privileged need to step aside and allow them to, I'm not saying I agree with that, yeah. but I think that's the argument. The second uh, thing I will say that's very, very tricky about being on the left. Here's why I'm going to play my own victim card is every time this sort of thing comes up, I have to question myself because I think Billy Eichner is annoying and I would never see his movie and I don't like rom-coms and I'm not paying for a theater. It's a, it's a recession, whatever, right? Inflation. There's so many reasons. Yeah. I'm a huge bigot, (laughs) but then I start to think and I say, well, maybe I am homophobic because there's part of me that even though I don't like rom-coms, I like probably definitely don't want to watch two men in a wrong. I don't know. I, I can't. So it starts yes. to make me like gaslight myself. Right. I'll give you another example. I 
uh, was walking in Central Park a couple months ago. And this it's important for the story. This black kid comes up to me and tries to sell me like a Snickers bar or something. And I said, oh, no, thank you. And he was like, oh, he was like, oh, racist. And I was like, (laughs) really? Yeah. And I was like, I'm vegan. That's way worse. Right. Like, first of all, second of all, (laughs) since then. I've been thinking, am I racist? Because this, you know, he didn't buy Snickers oh to support gosh. his. So if you're his, far enough on the left, basketball team, you're in an exercise of constantly being like, well, I have to acknowledge that deep down I am racist and I am homophobic and I am this and I am that. And and that's that's that's, that's, that's the, not fair. That's I like the Snickers, burden we bear. Do you like Snickers? I'm it's vegan. Pe- I can't oh, you're eat vegan. Snickers are. Oh, my God. <laughs> That yeah. feels exhausting. Um, it is exhausting. <laughs> but also, over here. I just want to tell everyone who's listening all every time you step on a subway in New York, there's a little yeah. kid who has a, a raising money for his basketball team. Yeah. 24 hours a day. It could be three in the morning. And he's like, yeah. out, he's like 10 years old. And it's a little black. Usually it's a black kid. And he's like, hey, you want to pay? You want to buy Snickers? So it's a regular Essentially, I, I've said no to this a thousand times. I've never yeah. been called a racist, by the same, way. So maybe I don't give the vibes that you give off. I don't know. They come around uh, uh, Greenwich Village around the comedy clubs, too. I have to turn them away or I try to sell them tickets and they're six. OK, well, last uh, thing what, before what, what we move I, on, I just want to yeah. take Billy Eichner's side for a second here. First all right, of all, go. I do think he's funny. Yeah. And I uh, we've watched that Billy on the street. We love it. We watch it all the time mm. as to a point that Heaton said a while ago watching someone do a sketch for three minutes and watching someone do an hour and a half movie Saturday night live has learned this many times. They don't always translate. You can have the most popular, like uh, the ladies man sketch and it can make $6 million at the box office. Cause they're like, I don't know if I want to watch that for an hour and a half. But then second of all, Billy Eichner did just re- just tweet. I think yesterday that if you, if everyone doesn't go see mm-hmm. super Mario brothers movie, uh, you're all homophobes. So, so he's, he's having fun with it a little bit. He's having like, fun with it. Yeah, I don't feel like he. I, I, it's, it feels like he in a Mario fit of and rage, Luigi. Are they brothers or are they? No. <laughs> well, I think that's his joke. Yeah. <laughs> in a fit of rage, I think he flipped out on everybody. And maybe yeah. now he's like, all right, whatever. Like, can I know. can I give him a little bit of reason why I, I also am on his side? I looked up the box office from the last weekend. And yes. you know what movie did better than bros? What? This Don't Worry Darling, this Olivia Wilde <laughs> movie that's like oh, the biggest God. train wreck ever, but Harry Styles. You know, I took a date there. It's a good date movie, right? Because you're watching Harry Styles hook up with someone, uh, right? I, I plan to do it on my sci-fi show, Alienating the Audience, so I won't I won't uh, do the whole thing. I watched it the first time and was like, this is a complete ripoff of Wait, Stepford Wives. I did. <laughs> is it- uh, uh, I, I, I went up Homophobe like, Central. This is, this is a goddamn ripoff of the Stepford Wives. Uh, and then I thought about it and I was like, you know what? I feel like that like um, fear of men capturing women and turning them into 1950s automaton, uh, automatons is almost like a genre unto itself now mm. of kind of like uh, futuristic female fears. And I was like, insofar as that goes, it's the best version of that I've ever seen. It was very okay. well done. Uh, and uh, I, I suppose I'm I'm again, as the evil white patriarchal male character, I, I don't like the Billy Eichner film, but I enjoyed that film. But as a date, would you this is an interesting question. Would we think a gay rom com is a good date movie? Because or no. Yeah. You get women so. like fluffed up a little bit. Well, excited. with the right type of <laughs> of uh, uh, as a man with the right type of woman. I, I mean, if you're you know, if you live. Yeah. It shows your, it shows your like a diver, it shows your what you're open minded, right? Yes. Shows you yes. I would see. I would say in places like New York, San Francisco, in like the big liberal cities, you can feel pretty safe that you get you're getting points. If you, if you want to go real cynical, you'll yeah. get points by taking a first date to a gay rom com. Yes. <laughs> Start making. I would say it's even better than a regular rom com. Yeah. As you're showing that's, your that's how they your, should be marketing it. Maybe come to us. For, Billy Agner. 
<laughs> now Billy Eichner messed up though, because now he made such a fuss about it that if you do it, you're going to say, oh, you're just doing it out of shame. You're not going because you want to. Right. It's like if you tell your boyfriend, you're like, you better bring me home flowers. It doesn't mean as much. Well, if, plus, flowers. if everybody's doing it, I mean, you could go out on a date with a girl and she's like, I, I went on a date with a guy last week. He already took me to this movie. You know, yeah. every every straight guy is using this movie. Now. I think the name of the movie is no good. Right. What Rose is, is confusing. Bros? Yeah. It sounds yeah. like Fratty. It sounds exactly. like Fratty. Like, yeah, I wouldn't like I wouldn't go see a rom com called Bros in general. Like, I don't like stoner films either. And I don't yeah. like kind yeah. of dumb bro stuff. So, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, to, um, to back. He, to, yeah, to back backtrack a little bit, um, I uh, Andrea, I'm glad you brought up the the kind of um, counter position of uh, connectivity and, and whatnot mm. in, in Hollywood and all of that. Uh, and I I hate those arguments. I know you're not. <laughs> I know you're not throwing that at us. The reason I hate those is because the implication of them always is, man, I am a dismal failure. If yeah. I'm a white guy and this is the level of success I have and it's this giant red carpet, then yeah. I must have really fucked up to do as yeah. low as I am right now. Yeah. Yeah, we all yeah. suck. Uh, also, I should point out with that connection thing, it doesn't that doesn't work with Billy Eichner because Judd Apatow made his right. movie. Yeah. Who's like the king of comedy in Hollywood. Right. Um, yeah. Should we move topics? Connected. Let's move topics. Yeah. OK, Dr. We all agree we're homophobic. Let's go. We're all yes. homophobic. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm we're, Andrea, I'm a, I'm do you want to lead this one? <laughs> sure. So I uh, we, do we want to go NYU or do we want to go woke? Yeah. Com- they're related. We'll go yeah. NYU. Let's sure. start with NYU. And then yeah. We, yeah. All right. All right. So, well, Kaplan, you sent this article around and you get the points for the first person who sent it to me. Uh, But I then was sent it by 10,000 people, including people I haven't spoken to in years, uh, saying what's going on at NYU. So the New York Times article that that came out says uh, an organic chemistry professor at NYU was fired because students found his class too hard and they wrote a petition and the university let him go. And there's a little more nuance to that story. All of those things are true. I, I think the because in there is, is a bit of an assertion. And so I, I teach at NYU. Uh, I am a contract faculty member. I am mm. on a year to year contract. Like, just like this guy. Just like this guy. Uh, and I don't know this person personally. I don't, I don't know anything about the chemistry department. Um, but I, I so I'm speaking somewhat with insider knowledge, but not really. It's a huge university. I have no connection to this, but just in the spirit of, of transparency. So a couple other details around the story. Uh, this guy is uh, formerly a professor at Princeton. Also, his last name is Jones. So the article kept saying Dr. Jones, Professor Jones. And I was like, this is really on the <laughs> nice. nose. This is great. Uh, that Roy is doing a lot of work in my name uh, right now. <laughs> Shout out to the Roy boys. All right. Uh, <laughs> he was a professor at Princeton for a long time in organic chemistry. Very esteemed. Apparently, he either retired or was let go or something and then came to NYU. He's quite a bit older. There's some ageism going on here, but he's quite mm-hmm. a bit older. He could have retired. He's written a textbook on organic chemistry that they use in the class. And you can he literally that wrote the book, literally yeah. wrote the book on organic chemistry. We all know organic chemistry is a famously difficult class. Yeah. Uh, and the, the yeah. argument from the students was that insofar as I understand it was that, well, he wasn't very, he was very dismissive of students. He was mean to students. He was like rude in the classroom. But then there are things that are less sympathetic insofar as that's even sympathetic, which I think is not really where they're like, he didn't make the Zoom recordings available or he wasn't you know, willing to give us an extension on whatever, whatever the, the various complaints were. And he, they never let us know how we were doing in the class relative to other students. So we freaked out and we can't possibly and blah, blah, blah. And uh, then the NYU says, no, 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 your the course evaluations have been terrible for a long time. They're much lower than any other 
uh, faculty in here. He's on a year to year contract. We were we used this as an opportunity to review his case and we got rid of him for reasons or we, we failed to renew his contract for reasons that are not solely due to this petition. Right. Or, or maybe not even at all related to this petition. So I want to hear what you all think about this. A couple of things I will say. Uh, one, it really sends a bad, whatever the circumstance, the way the story was written and the publicity it's gotten has sent a very bad signal to all students at NYU. Yeah. You better give A's to be safe. (laughs) Yeah. That you have this kind of power to get rid of people. It also, I personally oversee a lot of academic integrity cases. I'm the director of undergrad studies in data science. So in any class, if a, if a faculty member catches a student cheating, uh, it comes to me and I have to do like a hearing oh, and then God. I recommend the punishment. And it's like, I'm, wow. I have, yeah, uh, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but it often does not. Then the student then has the opportunity to appeal it to the dean and the dean rarely backs me up, even if the professors come in with evidence and this. And I'm so you say he's cheating and the dean like says, this. well, it's OK, we're going to let him off. It, and they have the nerve to come back and be like, well, you 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 could have been more clear about what counts as cheating. And you're like copying another person's assignment. But I, whatever. What, what's the tuition at NYU? Just so it's we infinity, can get one. Right. It's infinity. That, isn't that That's really exactly the answer to the question? Capital, don't worry. Uncle Sam's covering it. it it's not yeah. going to be on <laughs> any of these true, kids. Actually, it's just yeah. on taxpayers, most of whom didn't go to college. That's right. Who are hardworking Americans just trying to make an honest living. So so that's not always the case, but it happens enough that I was already irritated. And this was just like a huge example of that. So it's kind of makes me feel not backed up when it comes to catching academic. I also have reason to think that tons and tons of students are cheating all the time. Not in my not just in my class, all over the place. Uh, The other thing I will say on this is that I get a lot of complaints in my classes to the point where it's it's driving me out of my mind about the exact same stuff. So uh, you're not letting us know how many uh, people, how many people got A's. So we're not going to know how we're doing in the class relative to others. Last year, I almost like had a mutiny because students decided that they needed a sample exam before the actual exam. What? And they're like, if there's no sample exam, it's not fair. We don't know how to prepare for the exam. And I was like, oh, I'm losing my mind. There's no sample exam. You just take the exam. Yeah, but- uh, then or, or they'll argue that there is a curve or they'll argue that there isn't a curve or they'll argue that uh, there were too many multiple choice questions. There were not enough. Mo- we should have two midterms. So we have more. Why do they have input in the test? I was, was, was going to yeah. say that. Yeah. Why are they allowed to argue? Yeah. <laughs> so so the whole thing is, oh is a mess. And I'm barely hanging on, to be 100 percent honest with you, because it's like and, and some of it, too, were this is speculation is, you know, going remote. All the students have their own, like typically, especially I teach a big it's class. It's easy to cheat students. remote, right? You're easy to like, cheat remote. It's easy. <laughs> to, it they all have they all have group chats, so they like kind of whip each other up into these frenzies about what the latest injustice is. And my co-instructors and I have to constantly say, focus on the material. Don't obsess over what this kind of question or that kind of question or how should we. Part of me is sympathetic because you do have to, you know, there's a lot of arms race for for big, uh, uh, like perfect grades and top internships and all of that. So they're, but they're all so obsessed. Not they're all, but they're largely so obsessed with performance that they're not actually learning as much as I would like. That's my personal take. Mm. On the other hand, uh, a faculty member who gets they they the New York Times published this guy's evaluations. And not that the actual evaluations, but the numbers are really low. And I can't speak for chemistry, but it was very low. And if mine were that low, I think I would be let go as well. Can I can I stipulate one thing though? Go for it. My understanding is it's organic chemistry. It's it's considered a weed out class. It's yeah. like an introductory class where these are the yeah. kids who want to go to med school one day. So the mm-hmm. the teacher's supposed to be hard because you're supposed to 
the kids who can't cut it. Like I've had a heart yeah. attack. I had great doctors, right? We want, I don't want people who, who protested that they couldn't, <laughs> they got a teacher fired instead of just did the work. Like, you know, right. you, we got to, so he's doing his job in a way. I think you got to weed out. You can't all just because your parents can all pay the tuition or you can borrow the money. As he said, you shouldn't all be allowed to graduate chemistry class and go come become doctors. Andrea, what do you got? Th- this makes me feel so much better about becoming older because like <laughs> I'm, I'm eyeballing 40 and I have no fear about the incoming generation to replace me. This sounds yeah. great. I can just swat them around like Godzilla. If they have <laughs> to take a sample test, I have nothing to fear about being replaced by younger people. I'm going to uh, play this in my class. That's so good. Yeah, no, this is come at me. What do you get? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Don't you think they should have flunked the kids who, uh, who, who, who signed this petition. Like anybody who signed the petition should have been a trap. You're right. actually, so, so here's 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 my because I'm a policy or I'm, I'm a, a, a problem solver. Right. Um, I've been thinking a lot about this. We've, we've done uh, episodes on on the other panel show I do about uh, student loans. I, I've done a, a you big do another panel show. No, 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 no. I don't know. I, you know what? That slipped out of my mouth. You're the only panel I know us. or care about. If I ever paneled with anyone else, it, made, it meant nothing. I was just drunk oh, at a hotel. Platonic panel. He's doing a don't uh, worry, darling panel later. He's the foremost uh, expert on that movie. But, but, but like like um, I, I think the way we've set up university in the United States is a scam. And what I mean by that is um, it is most of the value of university degrees is that they are a positional good. And a positional good is an economic term, meaning something's valuable because other people don't have it. If, if university degrees are useful because they have knowledge and that's it, that's different. But if, if, uh, if they only work because other people don't have it, we can't design a system where we tell everybody, hey, the best way to become middle class is to go to college and get a degree. Because once you do that, all those people that were already going to go to college, they're just going to get master's degrees. And if we all go get master's degrees, they're going to go get PhDs. And so trying to, to make that equal is not going to work. So what I propose is the following. We legally abolish degrees. They don't exist anymore. Colleges, you can't issue degrees anymore. You are legally forbidden from doing it, and you're legally forbidden from writing down a diploma or a degree on your resume when you apply for a job. You get to go to college because the knowledge is important. If you want to go to college, go to college. Go there as long as you want. Go there two years. Go there three years. Go there four years. It makes no difference. There's no finish line. It's just a question of how much knowledge you think you need to obtain. Because if we really as a society truly believe all this bullshit about how important (laughs) knowledge is, then it should be worth just as much as you to go to Harvard for four years than it is to get a degree from Harvard. So that's what I propose. Get rid of degrees and and enjoy, gang. (laughs) I, uh... I, w- I would propose the opposite. Um, <laughs> Legally give everybody a degree? No. You go through four years and only some people get degrees? <laughs> yes. And I think that if you if it takes you more than four years, it should be called something else. <laughs> I think you should have four years to get there. Because I had, when I was a senior in college, we had this guy living on our couch. He was the sixth year undergrad his name was Blaze. No. He, Blaze? No, his, his name was Blaze. He lived on the couch and his major was the drums. <laughs> was his real name Blaze? Oh, no, it was, yeah. <laughs> I think no, it was like I don't even know what his real name was. He was just this guy on the couch. That's that's every college Blaze. needs a guy in the couch name. Yeah, everyone yeah, needs a Blaze. He woke up and he just like did a giant bong rip and then he went back to sleep. And then every once in a while he would go to his class and play drums. But and his not student that often. loans were just paid off by the government. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Uh, well, also, wait, can we can I that's ten at most it's ten thousand dollars per person total. Right. Yes, right. And I wasn't pl- playing off blazes six years of undergrad <laughs> at University <laughs> of Miami. That's thirty five grand a year <laughs> at, in the, at that time to do it. Um, but I want to say that I just believe 
on one hand, I'm happy that some school NYU is finally being honest and saying, hey, listen, these people are customers. The customer is yeah. always right. This is good business. You know, yeah. like private universities are businesses. That's what they are. They're there to make money, unfortunately. And around the world, um, I think in most countries, a public education is seen as a higher uh, stand. I know in China, for sure. I yeah. think in the UK, a public school is seen as better than a private school. And I'm get, I never knew why I'm guessing now it's for this reason that they're not you're, they're not serving customers. They're serving students. Maybe. I don't really know. Be. But um, do you think this would be someone would be fired? And Andrew, I guess because you're a professor, you might know if this was, um, say, SUNY like Cal Berkeley, mm. for example, SUNY school. Binghamton. A state, I still state customers. They still need customers. Right. I don't know. I, I'm going to posit they they all yeah. need customers. The, the the model is one of customers, regardless of whether you're private or public, because you're you're trying to get resources. The, from from the research I've done, the main reason that universities have become expensive over the last forty years is in part because we encourage everybody to go, and because we create so much capital available to people through student loans that universities then compete for. So uh, UCAL and Berkeley want to get the students to come to them because they get Same that school. money. So, huh? You That's Calum the same Berkeley. school. Berkeley. Is it okay? Yeah. <laughs> St St Stan Stanford like and uh, Stanford. He doesn't and get LA, mired in the details. L.A. Yeah. Film School. Uh, okay, o Oklahoma State school. University and the University of Oklahoma. I know I'm on solid. Now we're talking. Oh, it's the same school. Um, <laughs> state. Uh, <laughs> uh, one of them's like, "Hey, come to our school because we've got a really good study abroad program." And one of them goes, "No, no, no, uh, come to our school because uh, we've got a really, really good cafeteria. We've got a good pool we've put in. And we've built up these whole edifices yeah. that have really nothing to do with knowledge. One of the reasons that." Uh, colleges are cheaper in other countries like France is because they don't have dorms and cafeterias. They just have classes. And back when it was just classes, um, they were a lot cheaper. So I, anyway, my point is I'll posit that I, I don't think the, the private uh, colleges um, are, are, and the public colleges have a big difference. There are for-profit colleges, which oftentimes are a scam. Although I went to Upright Citizens Brigade Theater to get <laughs> a, a certificate in improv of and scams. that was a for-profit scam. So Where's I was fine diploma? with it. Yeah. Uh, I, but but like yeah but but I I don't think like uh, uh, I don't know uh, uh, Sarah Jessica Lawrence College is somehow more greedy than than Berkeley they're all trying to get students and that means they get funding from students okay it's can somehow... I keep my keep yeah, my uh, little little segment going here then I this is a question I would ask um, I is this an isolated incident meaning is this the only person this has happened to at NYU I think if it's just one guy. We need to pause and say, hey, maybe this guy just is a prick. I mean, right. this this does but happen. Is he supposed to be a prick? It's an organic chemistry class. Again. Here's my here's my point. <laughs> Let me finish. Is that uh, there was a, I mean, it's going to take you on a journey here for a second, but it'll loop around. Long time Sacramento, California, from where I'm where I'm from. Sports announcer. Oh, I knew you were going there. Named Grant Napier. <laughs> And he was fired. Someone on uh, a former NBA, I mean, NBA player who played for the Sacramento Kings and hated him at the height of the Black Lives Matter tweeted at him and said, hey, Grant, what do you think of Black Lives Matter? Just curious. And he, he responded on Twitter and he said, thanks for asking, Demarcus, who's a black guy. I think that all lives matter. Ew. And Demarcus Cousins said, that's what I thought. LOL. The next day, this guy was fired and he wasn't fired for saying all lives matter. He was fired because the last 30 years of his career, he's been a dick to every single person in the city of Sacramento. And they've been waiting for a chance to fire. Him. They finally got their chance. They fired him and no one stood up for him. But if it was a guy that everyone liked and he said all lives matter 
the team would have called him and said, hey, that's not really what people do now. I get that you're older, but just go online and say, oops, I'm sorry. Black Lives Matter. I was wrong. He would have done it. They would have moved on. Is that the same case with this guy? That's a great question. And I think you're highlighting the fact that there's sort of two issues at play. One is the actual circumstances of the event itself. And it does sound, as you were describing that, it does sound like that might have been the case. But I, I don't know. I don't know this person. One of his colleagues took to Twitter to say, I teach some of these same classes uh, and uh, he's been, you know, not that popular among students for a very long time. So that's the, the closest I know. Right. I certainly am not seeing anyone in my area uh, speaking up and defending this professor. So there's the issue itself, which is that maybe it was time for him to go. Um, but if he was tenured, right? He went to this wouldn't matter, right? This would be a right, new point. You right. can't be fired for being too hard if you're a tenured professor. Right. And and I guess that's like an adjacent issue, which is uh to to Heaton's point about the industry yeah, of correct. higher education, is that you know, colleges are getting more expensive because we're putting in fancier dorms, and there's one going up at NYU. Uh, and uh at the same time, we're relying more and more on adjuncts and contract faculty who you pay almost nothing, and often there's yeah. no benefits for, or anything. For the like record, that. yeah, pro professors are making demonstrably less now than they were 20 right. years ago, even even though universities cost way more. Professors right, are not really. getting the windfall. He right, knows no. this. He's Professor Ian. Right, right. No, because because Andrew is exactly right. When, when schools expand, they expand in terms of adjuncts. They don't expand in terms of full time right. professors. Right. Um, so so the money's not going to the the people that are right. instructing classes. And and I think in the context of NYU, there's another piece of this, and maybe this is like the NBA or the broader team in this analogy, where you say, all right, I, probably what guides most of their decisions is at the margins is what is gonna give me the lowest headache. And if this professor has been a problem for years and years and years, there's a big fuss. He's probably pretty replaceable. He's not that expensive. You just find another adjunct to loop him in or whatever. It's find probably not, book. it's like, you're just like, ah, whatever. So, so there's the issue itself, which is, I don't know enough to really say, but it does sound a lot like uh, the case that you just described Turner. But then there's the second issue, which is like the New York Times coverage of it. All kinds of stuff happens at NYU that is not covered in the New York Times. And reading that article, you know, I, I haven't been fired, but a lot of the examples were so familiar to what I've, I've experienced. I was like, maybe I should write to them and say, hey, cover the difficulties I'm having teaching and blah, 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 blah. Many of my students are great. Right? Let me be clear. But there's a lot who are not right or not. They're, 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 there's a lot of complaints and it's getting worse. Uh, but the coverage of it does a couple of things like one. It makes uh, I think Heaton was saying this. It makes us say, well, anyone who got a medical degree or did their undergrad at NYU, maybe I don't want them as my doctor, whether or not that's actually true or not. Yeah. Who, who knows? Yeah. But it's there's it's that diplomas. knock on effect. There's some reputational effects broad, more broadly about NYU and faculty being pushovers and we're just shelling out degrees. And I think I talked about this on TikTok. There's a big conflict of interest where I can hold the line and 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 make assignments difficult and refuse to give out sample exams because I don't think that I should. But I have to deal with the hate mail that comes in that tells me that I'm ruining their lives. And it's hate mail. Hate mail. <laughs> And it I can literally email you know, these days. <laughs> I can only take so much of it. I, I've been lucky that I haven't gotten a petition. They wear you down. I, the hate mail it works. Happens. Yeah, it's it's rough, right? Mm. Uh, uh, or people write nasty things about you on Rate My Professor. There's some horrible things about me on Rate My Professor. It's okay. grim, right? But the third thing, and this ties to uh, something else that I wanted to talk about today, is is perceptions of universities in the United States as these ultra woke, super sensitive places where you're not actually there to learn or gain knowledge. And I uh, accidentally went to a uh, something of a far right populist conference in Budapest <laughs> last week. <laughs> 
And How, like, wait, hold on. Like you were going to go to the circus, but you got on the wrong plane and you were, you woke gonna up to go to the Budapest. Holocaust circus. She was going yeah, to go to the, like, see the, yeah. uh, one we're going to go to London, and... but the, the train, like the plane got diverted. You're like, ah, I'll go to this conference instead. Yeah. So I was like, here we are. It's, it was a conference. It wasn't far right though. It's a far right government that seems to have some hand Orban, in yes. this conference. Listen to lost yeah. in America for more on that. Oh, great. Yeah. Very good. Well, I met the president last, uh, Last week, met Orban. No, the, he's the prime minister. The oh, president minister. is is a woman who's in his pocket and is obsessed with family and hates immigrants. Oh, good uh, for her, female president. Can you book yeah. her on the pod? <laughs> good for women. Uh, Glass ceiling. Yeah. So, so it's a conference called Brain Bar. It's 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 really it's it's in the ilk of remember when they started a university? I think it was in Austin called like the the University of Free Thought or Free no, the, Thinking the, the University of Austin it's it's I think kind of it's still being uh, made put, right yeah it's still oh, being it's made. the Free they, Speech University basically yeah. they, yeah. canceled but they, they they put out a big letterhead with all of the advisors to it right. that included like Jonathan Barry Hyde Weiss and Peter and Trump, 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 and yeah. Barry Weiss all those yeah right so so it's this thing called Brain Bar and it's one day. I got asked to do it years ago and then the pandemic hit so it got delayed a whole bunch and so I kind of like stopped I was like whatever I don't know uh, and and I don't I just thought it was like a public talk about cool stuff sort of like future tech oriented. So I talked about data science, but then I get there and I meet some of the other speakers and it turns out it's all basically, yeah, Jordan Peterson wannabes. And, uh, but it was interesting, right? It was people who'd been canceled and were on the other side of it. And I was talking to them about what, what that was like. It was a lot of people saying, yeah, I think land acknowledgements are a joke. I think forcing people to say pronouns is ridiculous. And, and I was like, I mean, there's, there's a lot to be said about that, right? Like I sort of agree with a lot of what they're saying, but the big ilk of it was we are a bastion of independent thinking that is against the indoctrination of Western education that's causing everyone to be woke and sensitive and uh, unable to think. And I think that this NYU article coming out, especially on the heels of this conference, they're all high-fiving for sure over there where they're saying like, you can't even have an education because they were upset. The professor was mean to them. Like society is, it does. Yeah. It goes place to that point. They're like conservative talking point, basically. Like there were presentations from people saying like, Oh, Gen Z is too sensitive and they're too weak and society is failing and men can't be men. Like it was, it was interesting. (laughs) At this point, all that they think of bros. Yeah. Yeah. Movie. Yeah. I think it was banned. Speaking of freedom of speech. Well, Andrea, what was your answer? Because what you just told us a few minutes ago was pretty enlightening. I had no idea it was that bad. I mean, like, I don't think there was ever once, and we can go around the panel here. I don't think I ever comp- email you, complained to my professor once well, in college. We didn't have ratemyprofessor.com. That wasn't a website when we were in college. I don't think I had my my but did you, email address. Did, so I did. I will say one thing I did. Um, to show that I'm a bit of hypocrite because we had, we didn't, we would do it in class. You'd, you'd rate your professors when they weren't, you know, when they were like adjuncts. I don't remember. And we had, okay. I had a writing professor once who was the worst. Like I got a flat tire once and she docked me an entire grade because it was late. There was mm-hmm. another kid. I remember this very well. He missed a class because his grandmother died and she said she had to see a note from, she wouldn't like accept it as an excuse. Your grandmother has to write a note. Yeah. yeah. So, and then, and she graded us really harshly. And then when we had to write these, these reports, like you'd have to fill out a, a she gave us a whole speech before she handed them out about how like the grades you guys have, you think you have. But I've been doing this whole trick basically all semester. You're actually going to get better grades. Mm. Um, I've just been doing these to keep you focused. And then they handed out all these little booklets. I was supposed to rate her. And I just oh. went off. I gave her the worst grades ever. And I said, before she handed this book to us, she tried to bribe us by saying we're getting better grades. Yeah, that's what that sounds like. <laughs> and though. then I wrote about the grandmother thing. I wrote about my, I got a flat tire in the middle of nowhere and she gave me up. So 
And I don't know what happened to her, but I think she didn't come back. So I think I'm just as bad as these kids. But yeah, we didn't overall, though, we didn't have the access to like if we didn't like a professor, it was just that was part of that was life, you know, so it was a it was a different world. I also don't remember, like you said, I think you said some stuff, Andrea, about they, they're wanting updates along the way. Yeah. Like uh, that was not part of college at all. The whole thing yeah. with college is you had a midterm and you had a final. You had a syllabus in the beginning. And we and almost you? had like no homework in the middle. Yeah, it was just midterm final. And I, to the point where I remember my senior year of high school, the high school I went to, our teachers would do that to the second semester senior year. You had just a midterm and a final. And the point was to get you ready for college because that's what mm. college is going to be, too. Yeah. And they say, I don't care. We'll assign homework throughout the year. You can do it if you want. You don't have to do it. We're just giving you a midterm and a final. It's you're all adults now. It's up to yeah. you. Yeah. So somewhere along the way that got lost. I, I certainly don't remember ever wondering how other people were doing in the class relative to me. And, right, and every year that concept, causes right? such agony. Like worry about yourself. Don't yeah. worry. It's like your grades are not applying for a job. I guess what's the reason? Because you apply for the same internship as someone else in your I mean, class. And that's, and you... that's where I'm, I'm sympathetic to an extent is to say the world has changed since we were in college as well. And it is very competitive and it's harder to get a job. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, and so you feel like you need a 4.0 or you're going to fail forever. There's also some selection bias just in terms of, you know, who, who chooses to take, I'm, I'm teaching a data science course. And so it's people who probably want to go into like various tech jobs that are probably highly competitive. And so you do need to have really, really high grades for that. I don't know. Um, you know, the, the times have changed. The pandemic has done weird stuff. Uh, NYU might attract a certain type of student compared to where I went to school. Uh, and all of those things are considerations as well. The other thing I will say is if you look at the article, it's something like a third of this guy's students signed the petition. So not all of them. Right. So it was like 80 students out of whatever. Right. Not so yet. so a lot, but not all of them, which yeah, means that two, failing. <laughs> yeah, two thirds. Right. Two thirds were fine with it. And mm. I think it's unfortunate that the reputation is going to be anyone who took this class didn't learn anything. But two thirds of the students were like, yeah, this is I'm going to suck it up and I'm going to deal with it. I, and I should say that when I talk about the complaints about all these things that I just listed, it's because I teach a class of 200 students and I hear from the five disgruntled ones. Right. And that colors my experience of the entire semester, because especially in a big class like that, you don't have occasion to interact with most of them. So most of my students are absolutely fine. I'm sure they're very thoughtful people, but they're not the ones emailing me, posting on Reddit forums about how evil I am or or, you know, yelling at don't me. Don't check about your mentions. Point. Just don't read yeah. it. Do you, <laughs> I think part of what's interesting going on with universities right now, in, in addition to the fact that they've become massive, like in, in 1900, I think less than two percent of the population had a, had a university degree of any sort. Um, in addition to them becoming really big, it is it's this clash of two very different worlds that are intersecting in that environment right now. You have um, this sort of, uh, we, we can tweet at companies that defy yeah. us or, or are doing bad things, kind of passionate consumerist culture. Uh, I, I like your point earlier, Turner, about like, um, if, if uh, what, what, when I was in university, like I preferred people to call me Mr. Heaton because I was given several thousands of dollars. I was like, in any other field, <laughs> if I gave you $6,000, you'd goddamn call me by my surname. You wouldn't call yeah. me Andy. Um, so I, I I do sympathize with that. I, I get that. Um, so there's this this kind of um, grassroots consumerist, uh, it, it's about me, you, you serve at our pleasure kind of thing, which I don't fully disagree with. And it's it's 
careening into what is in effect one of the last medieval institutions on the planet, which is what mm. universities are. They're mm. they're a medieval institution, and there's very different goals here. Medieval institutions, Oxford, Cambridge, these various universities that were started during the Middle Ages were theological academies designed to indoctrinate people and mm. designed to teach them uh, uh, ways of being and, and all of these things. And these are potentially juxtaposed, which brings me back to my earlier point. If we outlaw degrees, that would, I think, free up a lot of people. People would go, you know what? I want to go to uh, Dr. Joan Roy's class because I really want to learn about data science. Uh, I'm not going there because it fulfills some obligation I have to do. And uh, I don't know. I think I think it'd take the slack off you guys to get people that don't want to be there. And yeah. I think it would also, like, people that do a four-year degree in... Um, communications. Uh, outlaw that. Communications totally or art, his, art history or whatever. <laughs> and then they wind up working at a bank. Like, they wouldn't have to do that anymore. I, I, I think we're in a, like, we're at a really weird time right now where we, we have the most venues to get knowledge in all of human history. Yeah. And we still act as though there's one conduit by which knowledge can be dispersed. I think this Our is a good. Doctors should have degrees. Can we just say that? They should. I mean, maybe after <laughs> after the undergrad level, or depending on the level of specialization. I don't I even will care if they have out... a degree. I'd, I'd have them take a test, but I don't care if they have a degree or not. We do watch them do a surgery first. Yeah. See how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. or have, have like a state licensing board or something. It. Where you, you <laughs> like, still have to be licensed, don't you? Even if you have a degree. Huh? Yeah, like, yeah. You, you, have to take you, you still have to take a bar if you want to be an attorney. Like I don't. If you can pass the bar, I don't care if you went to college or not. I uh, feel compelled to mention the work of a good friend of mine uh, who I went to grad school with, uh, who works at a company called Opportunity at Work. And they're based in D.C. And they are all about getting people who don't have traditional four year degrees into jobs like air quotes, white collar jobs with advancement, because the barrier basically is you need to have a college degree in order to work at any job with upward mobility in this country. And, and this organization is saying, like, yeah, but you can learn a lot of really important, valuable things by not doing that, right? By serving in the military, by running a family business, by doing this, by doing that, by taking Peace care Corps. of your- yeah. Yeah, and so so we're working on ways to say, well, how do you, you know, we just use college degrees as a signal. It's an information shortcut to communicate to an employer that I could like sit through this amount of barrage of whatever uh, and and function, and now I'm on the other side of it. So we're trying to think of ways to, to what what what's another way we could signal what someone's aptitude is other than a degree? So Heaton, you I'm not in a position to hire you, but I'll recommend you to this organization. Thank you. Have <laughs> yeah. them call me. I'm very happy to be an advisor to this institution. I've got Perfect. lots of ideas. Perfect. I think it's about time we wrap it up. Yes. Should we do closing thoughts from everybody? Closing thoughts. <laughs> Turner, you got, you want to go first? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'm, first of all, it, just what you said earlier in the podcast about how the, how your students interact with you is frankly shocking to me. I just assumed this was all stuff that was only talked about at these big uh, conferences like you went to in Budapest. Mm. But in reality was this tiny, tiny percentage of university students that you see flipping out on the Internet, but does isn't indicative of the overall university system in America. And now I'm rethinking that. So uh, Wait, and, that's and that's where Matt Kaplan. I have a question for you. You have kids. Yes. Uh, and maybe this could be part of your close. What's your idea on sending them to college one day? Yeah, oh, I've been well, I've been saying this whole time. It's I've been trying to talk my kids into going to uh, like Arizona State or something fun. And now I'm, <laughs> now I'm feeling really vindicated because that what is the point? NYU. I've always thought NYU. Was, I mean, this is I don't, I, it's always your university. So I won't I I'll just care. say Northeastern private universities like they just seem like such a waste of money. And now I'm realizing like like this professor said, I saw this quote from this guy where he said, I think that you need to understand molecule, molecular, what I don't even understand what it is, but if you can't be a good doctor, if you don't understand this, so I'm not going to just pass you. And I agree with that. But if the school doesn't agree with that, then yeah, I'm going to send my kids, uh, no Harvard, none of that. Because all this great inflation. Everyone gets a good grade. Um, I think 
Maybe I'll send them to Europe because you're telling me they don't have uh you're saying it's, it's cheaper in France. I mean, I, I got my <laughs> yeah. master's degree in Edinburgh. I, I, I got my master's degree in Edinburgh in part because it was way less expensive than American universities were. It and they're like, seen as European universities are seen on the same level as American universities, yeah. right? Yeah, it just seems like, I mean, I, I will say we're saving up a lot of money, so we do have to use it. They have to go to school. Um, maybe I'll get a basketball scholarship. I don't know. But uh, Andrew, <laughs> I, I, one thing I wanted to ask you real quick, because I don't think we you mentioned it, but did you pitch our wokeism is a religion idea mm. to all these people at this conference today. Oh they yeah. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. So, so when I started to kind of figure out the waters that I was in uh, and I shouldn't say it's all far right, right. It's this kind of middle like free speech crowd. I, uh, I, I like to blend in because I'm afraid of confrontation. And I also thought I had a few things to learn from them. So I was very, very grateful that we'd done our wokeism as religion conference uh, roundtable. And I said, oh, yeah, I just posted about this uh, a couple months ago. And one of the guys I was talking to was like, that was my original idea, that wokeism is a religion. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Was it John McCorder? <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, yeah. Yeah. This guy claimed was- he invented that thought. Yeah, that wokeism is really okay. I was like, well, I read it in the Atlantic, but whatever. All right. Uh, but but it was look, I mean, I don't want to come out as like, oh, anti-woke people are terrible. I actually learned a fair amount. Uh, they talk, they taught me how to go on the internet and be okay with people yelling at you, which is valuable. And uh the, you know, I, I felt good getting out of my own liberal comfort not comfort zone, but world of wokeism where no one would ever utter the words, what if we didn't do a land acknowledgement, right? Whereas at this place, we're sitting at this fancy dinner and they're like, land acknowledgements are garbage. And I was like, yeah, they kind of are. And so it kind of felt good. And I was like, maybe I'm anti-woke. Am I getting converted? But I also observed that on the other side, the anti-woke people kept saying, oh, the people on the left are brainwashed and it's a religion. But I think it's true for the anti-woke people Everyone's well. brainwashed. Like if you yeah. start to say the word privilege, they're like, shut it down. Where you're like somewhere <laughs> in the middle, there's a valuable right. conversation to be had about inherited wealth, for example, and and race or something like that. Right. And so yes. they I find that they're just as religious. And and the thing that makes me more nervous is they claim to be independent, objective thinkers. And anyone who claims to be an independent, objective thinker makes me nervous because none of us are independent, objective. thinkers. I, I claim to be that. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, other than Kaplan. <laughs> I'll I'll tee off that for my closing no. thought because I think this applies both to the anti woke uh, uh, seminar that you went to as well as the Billy Eichner story that we discussed at the beginning of the program. One of the things that really uh, irritates me and is kind of my bright line for engaging in conversations about privilege or bigotry or whatever it is is it seems to me there's a very very big difference between expanding a conversation based on these concepts versus shutting down a conversation based on these concepts. It's one yeah. thing to say, um, uh, you know, I, I, I have certain viewpoints that you may not have. I'd like to share them with you and let's expand the scope of what we're discussing. That's always welcome. We very, very much need that. Uh, it's very different to say uh, who you are, uh, your background, whatever it is, disqualifies you from holding an opinion or disqualifies you from holding a position or disqualifies you from having an experience a la Billy Eichner. And so I, I, I commend people that are expanding conversations and I condemn people that are shutting them down. A plus. Very well said. And I just Doctor. wanted to, I just wanted to add one thing is that my parents were at their 50th uh, college uh, reunion last year or last week. And the, the kid came up, the, the, the student came up to introduce them and immediately started with the land acknowledgements. So, <laughs> so that is going on, but you know what? I think that's okay. I just think uh, they should make the class a little harder. So. That's my that's my close. Dr. Andrea, what do you want to close this out? All right. Well, I think we uh, maybe we have become obsessed with woke versus anti woke because it does tend to be uh, fodder for our roundtables. But I think it's you know, I think it's important that 
I like having these conversations with you all. And when I was in Budapest last week, I was like, I got to talk to the round table about this. Uh, so I don't have anything wildly profound to say other than, uh, yeah, Heaton got an A plus Turner. You got a, uh, <laughs> also an A plus and cap, you got an A plus, which means you all should panic because only one of you is going to get an A in the end. Mm. Oh boy. Right. Yeah. Curve. Well, in my yeah, family C equals degree. I was always taught. So <laughs> yeah. A plus is oh, well oh, beyond. Actually, here's a closing thought for you. So when I was uh, a TA in grad school, I was, I was a teaching assistant for a course called introduction to international relations. And we were going around and like group grading the midterm. So we all could figure out how to coordinate among the others. And the professor, the lead professor said, you know what? If you get it a little bit wrong and you give them points where where they shouldn't have gotten points and you go a little bit easy on them, it's fine. It's not brain surgery. We're not training these people to be doctors. Mm, exactly. And I was like, all right. And so I was nicer to them. But uh, I feel like the organic chemistry professor should not be like that. That's my concluding mm, thought. Exactly. Everything else is a joke, but a few yeah. degrees matter. <laughs> Turn it, everybody. Your, your concluding thought, him? Me? Yeah. I did. did have, I started out. I concluded first. My short Sorry, memory shot. So let's all. So we are part of. This is all the world's smartest podcast yeah. network. We Kaplan and I have Lost in America podcast. Um, we talk to comedians around the world about the global news events happening in their country. Go subscribe now and rate and review us. We haven't had a review in a while, but don't it rate better us be, like these professors. Right? Yeah, nicely. Say, we it can't be handle five it. Stars. <laughs> no, we say say whatever you want about us. Just make sure make it five stars. That's but true. you can then you can trash us in the comments. Uh, <laughs> I should Heaton. say that to my students. Uh, I have been Andrew Heaton. I am the host of The Political Orphanage, which looks at various issues from a nonpartisan perspective, and I'm fairly pithy and glib. Last week, I had on a war correspondent friend from Latvia who's covering Ukraine, and we really got into what Putin's up to. Uh, a couple of weeks before that, I did a deep dive on nuclear war, which is just straight up two hours of doomsday porn. So check out The Political Orphanage. I'm Andrea Jones, where I am neither pithy nor glib, but I have a podcast called Majoring in Everything, where I talk to people who uh, excel at more than one thing. So we're in the middle of season two. Turner was our first guest talking about entrepreneurship yes. in China, stand-up comedy, and all kinds of amazing stuff. Uh, this week's episode is Tyler Whitman, who you might know from Million Dollar Listing New York. And uh, coming up next, we have Dino Bidala, who's a lawyer, political activist, uh, radio host, comedian, and a bunch of other stuff. And and Cap will represent real estate later on, too. Yeah, you bring on other real estate people. I mean, I'm just trying when to When you're on reality TV, I'll bring you on. <laughs> trying to start my career up and you just, all right, there's room for two of us. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Thanks, everybody. Right. Thanks, gang. Thank you. Get lost. 